Hi, and welcome to the 5-Minute Business Boost, where you get to choose your 5-minute investment. It could be topics under the headings, business development, marketing or photography, or even a mix of all three. There'll be discussions, reviews, how-tos, tips and tricks, and so much more, depending on how I, your host, Sam Hicks, is feeling. So possums, listen up, and here we go. Hi, Sam Hicks here and welcome to the 5-Minute Business Boost. In this episode, and I'm sorry, it will be a long one, I'm talking about community projects and volunteerism. Community projects are like a giant jigsaw and yes, this, as I said, will be a longer potty. Volunteering for community projects in regional Victoria, Australia can be very rewarding and enriching experience for individuals and it can have a positive impact on both the volunteers and the broader community. It can also be a great way for individuals associated with small businesses to build their personal brands and establish them as leaders in their field. There are many benefits to volunteering, including personal fulfilment, social connections, skill development, career advancement, and improved mental and physical health. Additionally, volunteering can provide an opportunity to meet new people and build relationships with others in the community, demonstrate your values, gain expertise, and build credibility. So there's many ways to get involved in community projects, including volunteering your time, starting your own project, partnering with local organisations, seeking funding and engaging with local government. I myself have volunteered since I was 18. I've met the most amazing people and I've learned so much in my time over many sectors and I have gained some very wonderful friendships, friends, connections. I just, I love being a community volunteer. You get so much out of it. I like to think of myself in my own lunchbox as a volunteer community developer, but I just get the empowerment that small communities need and want and what they get when they take the reins for change. So this is about empowerment of small communities. Nothing worse than an outsider telling them what they need to do. And this is about small communities standing up on their two feet and saying, this is what we need. Also for me, personally, there are many benefits to having something outside of work to focus on. You know, most people have hobbies. I don't. I volunteer for a community group or three or five. And some of these potential benefits over the years I have noticed and read about. And these include improved mental health. So engaging in those activities outside of work can help reduce stress and improve overall mental wealth and well-being. It also helps if you've got a good team and you can have a bit of a laugh. For me, it has been around enhanced creativity. Now, if you were doing a hobby... You know, they actually provide an opportunity to engage in activities that are different from that that you're doing in the usual, you know, small business grind. I'd like to say nine to five, but nobody in small business does a nine to five. But by doing this volunteerism, it can help stimulate your creativity and problem solving skills. And it does give you a bit of a buzz. Increased work-life balance, well, this is funny, but anybody that knows me and small business owners are the same, we strive to have an increased work-life balance, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Having something outside of work will focus 
will create a better balance between work and personal life and it can improve overall satisfaction and well-being. You know, just being able to drop down the tools and say, look, I've got to go and do a volunteer shift or I've got a meeting, you know, sometimes make you have that reset that you need, especially if the day has been long and hard. Networking opportunities, and I reckon this is one of the best. Participation in hobbies or community groups can provide an opportunity to meet new people and build relationships with others who share similar interests. I know when we moved up here 20-something years ago, you know, we knew nobody. And once I got involved with a local group or five, um, started meeting people and they were the most interesting people. Many like us had had a tree change. Many were locals. Many were five, six generation locals. And that was amazing. Just working out who, who was in the zoo and what skills and what passions they had. The last one, I think it's the last one, is personal fulfilment. Engaging activities that are personally meaningful and fulfilling can help improve overall satisfaction and happiness. Anyway, enough about me. I have been involved in a few community projects since 1991. Don't do the maths. But let's drill down to a little community project. And as I said, this one is a long potty. So... I'm talking about a small local community project that has been my passion project for the last, what, eight years now, and that is about an indoor heated pool in our region. So these are some of the things or the questions that we were asked as a community group. And this is really handy if you're thinking about doing a community project with your community or with a group of people. And these um, headings will also have some tips and tricks So really, what you need to do to start off with a community project is identify or demonstrate the community need. Has there been surveys or quantitable data? Have the community been asking for a particular event, an asset happening? Secondly, and most importantly, is budgets. And everybody hates this, but what are the costs? How will it be maintained? Who is responsible? If the project falls over, can you recover costs and sell off assets? How will it be funded? Modelling. Now, thankfully, we had a service that was already running that we could build on and from for our little indoor heated pool. We had a person and we had a group of professionals who ensured our modelling was sound. So we know the minimum max income and the outgoings for the running of the service. And this was particularly helpful. Now, a handy tip was we set this up in Excel and we made copies of it so we can make or change the parameters. And that was really important. One of the things that we were asked very early on with our community project was, are you duplicating services? Is there something similar available? What other indoor heated pools operate in Murrindindi or nearby shires? What do they offer? What will be your point of difference and who attends them? You know, are they all year round? All of those type of questions. One of the questions we got asked time and time again was how big is the pool? What can it be used for? What does the community want and or need? And would they be willing to pay for classes? Will their needs change over time? What type of accessibility does the pool need to have? How can it be inclusive? One of the things that is really important when you're coming or pulling together, coming together with a community and pulling together a community project like this 
is that you must have support from other community groups. And this is paramount for grants. Grants. So you need to ask who in your community will write support letters. Who can you ask and who would support us? Fortunately for us, we received, I think, nearly over 20 community support letters and we've never forgotten it. People took the time, you know, all volunteers took the time to write beautiful support letters and we've never forgotten it. We also had to think about location. So we had to think about accessibility, parking, toilets, storage, and we worked out it was cheaper to renovate than to build because our initial estimates were in the millions of dollars and the maintenance alone ongoing was unsustainable. Case studies of other similar projects. So this was a really good one. And fortunately, when I was doing an MBA, I used the last project to work around the indoor heated pool. And that allowed me to access case studies from all over Australia about indoor heated swimming pools that were privately funded. And that was fantastic because there'd been quite a few um, <clears throat> case studies drawn up about these projects. So we found quite a few to review and we used learnings from them. And even if even the other advantage we had was we were able to do some interviewing. Face-to-face were invaluable, but we were able to get on the phone and a few emails and so forth. And that allowed us to gain some unwritten or and or documented insights, which was just so valuable. Now, this one is a big one. We had to work out what the economic benefit was for our community project. Now, we were very fortunate that local government was entirely supportive of our um well, back then, suggested project. And they showcased a tool that they use, and it's called REMPLAN. Now, REMPLAN stands for Regional Economic Modelling Plan. Don't worry, you won't be tested, but it's basically a software tool that is used to analyse and forecast economic development in regions or communities. Now, this is often used by government agencies and there's a lot of local government and state government agencies that use this such a powerful tool but local government agencies economic development organizations and other stakeholders use it to plan for the future growth and development of a region and it allows users to input data on a variety of economic and demographic factors such as population employment and industry mix and then it generates projections and scenarios for how the region might grow and change over time and what the return will be with a project like this. So this was really good. It also allowed us to evaluate the potential impacts of different policy or development scenarios and to inform us, the decision makers, on how to invest and support the economic growth of a region with a project such as our indoor heated swimming pool. Now, one of the things that we had to have for this community project were plans. Oh, my God. We had to have a business plan, a business case, a communication plan, a risk management plan. The list goes on. And I'm getting tired just remembering all the damn plans that we had to have. But what they allowed us to do was get all the ideas out of our head and pull together all all the information into one or two or three or five documents and we were allowed to change them because you know things changed but they were an essential part of what we were doing. Now one of the things that we had to do with our community project was we had to consult with our community. So 
often I'll do speaking engagements with groups and I'll say to them, you know, have you spoken to your local government reps? Have you presented it to the councillors? Have you spoken to local members of parliament, community leaders, local business groups and local community groups, you know, and work out if they do need a project that you're talking about. In our case, it was for a pool. The other community consultation that we did a lot of was with service clubs. And that was great because these are salt of the earth people that volunteer their time and just get the need for certain community projects. So handy tip out of this that we did so many of these group community consultations and individuals as well. We had a PowerPoint presentation and this was such a handy tool that we also used for grants. So not only using it for presentations, but it allowed us to socialise our idea depending on which stakeholder or group we were dealing with. Also think about who you're partnering up with. Do you have funding partners? Are their values in line with yours? Is it a great fit? Are there grants, investment funds or crowdsourcing that can fit with your project? And you also have to think about a delivery plan. You know, is this a five-year plan? I say this as this was paramount in our indoor heated pool project. And these were not only the questions asked of us in many different areas as I've just covered. And in some cases, we were asked over and over again, just it was differently pitched or worded. But it allowed us to socialise our idea and get the pitch down to a perfect rendition of what we were trying to achieve. So many large projects I've been involved in the past have had lead times of five to ten years. Nothing happens overnight, even in private enterprise. So you have to be patient. You have to be considerate of other people because you need to take along everybody on that journey. As a community group, we chose not to do the feasibility study option. We felt it was too costly, took too long, and usually, personally, the ones I've seen, the business cases, the modelling and the budgets are weak and based on no localised knowledge. But we decided to do the background work ourselves, so budget, need, identifying partners, grants, identifying possible venues, consultation, and I think in the end it was nearly 30 groups and individuals. You know, we did reviews, context situation evaluations, SWATs, meeting with shires, planning and building departments, and the list goes on. But each one of those meetings was absolutely paramount to the success of our project. Now, I know I get some pushback on the statement above, and I will, because not every project has what we had, and that was we had some highly skilled team members that who had academic backgrounds coupled with business acumen. We also had a team of people behind those people or behind the scenes who read every document, read, penned, and went through every aspect of our planning and pulled it apart and re put it back in and gave us so many ideas and different thoughts to for us to pull it all together. Our project was indeed very lucky. We had assembled a skills-based team who have backgrounds in all sorts of areas pertaining to the project, who have vital community contacts. They are either self-employed or employed locally and at the end of the day, they're all parents of school-aged kids or grand, or have grandkids who need to learn to swim here in the Shire in a warm water environment. The other thing that we did was we made a roadmap. So we knew where our journey was going. Fail to plan, plan to fail. So it was really about a grant map and that was a huge assistance to us. 
We were very lucky that we'd had amassed people who had the skills that could assist. In many cases, they offered their services pro bono but didn't want to be on our project management team, but were keen to help in different aspects and different components of the project. And they just were happy to be in the background. So we had architects, accountants, engineers, auditors, you name it. It was a huge array of people. We even had some some community members who came forward either out of curiosity, but they had a willingness to step up and help. Or they had kids that they really wanted in Learn to Swim classes, but each one brought skills to the planning and assisted in ensuring every aspect of our project was covered. It was in our consultancy stage that we identified the need for water therapy for rehabilitation, so for injuries, etc., and having abilities access disabled and or less ambient and water exercise programs, and also intro to water play for our younger residents. Mental health and wellness have also been identified as a need in consultation with the broader community. So all these things come up and things change from year to year. And at that stage, our residents were starting to understand our project was indeed moving forward and being on the ground. So, you know, they were interested in gentle exercise with movement, with music, etc. Certainly since the announcement, my phone rings hot, and this is based on a couple of years ago now, but people had lots of ideas for the expanded usage of a salt mineral heated pool, and it all was noted, and the team constantly assessed the need and the cost of running the ideas that were being presented by the community. So the most important thing that you need for a community project is somebody that can be the driver, somebody who eats, sleeps, breathes and lives the project. And in which case, this was me. I had a lot of support initially from Linda, our local um, Learn to Swim teacher who's now relocated to Queensland. But I had to be the driver and thankfully I had a wonderful team working alongside me who poked and prodded me with their inspiration, their wisdom and their feedback. And this spurred me on to no end. And indeed the community at large who see me down the street or at community groups that I'm involved with who constantly remind me and the team that the need for this pool to be a reality. And even these days now that the pool's up and running, um, you know, they thank us and they thank us on social media all the time because as volunteers, they understood that without us it wouldn't have happened. At the time, and we still do, we have a strong secretary, a quote queen and budget queen, who also was quite happy to kick me into shape if I wane. Um, we have a, gra- a grammar team member who checks everything submitted, and that was fantastic, having that support. So having a strong team creates ownership over a project. So seek out any local people for your community group with who have got grant writing or revising skills, find them out. Ask them if they'll help you either put the grant together or read the grant once you've put it together. In my time, we had a local grant queen at local government level, Sandy Keith, her red pen advice connections to all things grant related and above all, her honest feedback were invaluable. Sandy now runs a business called Grantable, so look her up. Another was a local lady who works for Foundation Murrindindi. Her support and constant ideas for funding were encouraging and still are, and that legend is Robin Hill. Also another inspiration is Embassy of Ideas founder Sasha Barrow here in Alexandra and Rebecca Grant from Flowerdale. All these women have skills and have provided us very sage advice over the years. 
There are also three men who wish to remain nameless that contributed constantly through the development stage, both here in the northeast and from Melbourne, and we are really indebted to them. They were always quick to answer a phone call or be on the end of an email when we came across a particular challenge or we thought, uh-oh, what do we do here? The greatest piece of advice is surround yourself with winners, team members who are just as committed as you but who are honest and can be the voice of reason and all the breaks if needed. One thing we didn't consider in our risk management planning was COVID and who would have thought a global pandemic would slow us down in the construction phase. We lost nearly 12 months due to lockdowns and a lack of trade availability as the poor local trades were getting smashed with new builds and renovations but we were grateful for our builders and trades who somehow managed to pull it off and all the community assistance that we had. So if you're thinking of a community project and you just want to chew the fat I'm happy to chat with you and your group at any time. Drop me an email at sam at samhicks.com.au and if you are full steam ahead, good luck. I wish you well. So that's it for me and I'm sorry this was a long one. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Feel free to subscribe, follow and share. Get in contact to suggest topics for discussion and remembering business, anything is possible, especially in the northeast of Victoria. Bye for now.